Beyond locks, gates and doors, why access control can really change the perimeter for your principal's defence. Welcome to The Circuit Magazine, the number one source of information on protection matters, the industry-leading magazine for all security professionals who want to stay ahead of the game. Identity and access management in a post-COVID world, why is building security and all of this type of technology ultra-relevant for executive protection? I'm joined by Elijah Shaw, and today we're going to be talking to Lee Odess, uh, CEO and founder of the Group 337, and also great friend of the Getting Security Done crew, which many of you will have seen online. Elijah, why is this an important topic for EP? I think it's really relevant because... As protectors, we're responsible for 360 degrees of coverage for the client. And so that's also going to factor into access control and electronic surveillance and all these other things. So it's not just walking besides the protectee. Uh, it's not even just the advance that, that we do as part of our profession. We also need to maintain these outer perimeters and these other concentric rings that also factor into the protection equation. And you make a good point about the perimeter because the perimeter it's kind of changed. And maybe that sits well with EP because the perimeter has always been where your client is. But if the perimeter is forever working from home or the perimeter is not in the traditional sense, you know, traveling the world, then access control and identity management is, is really quite a key uh, topic. Now, it's, it's going to be interesting talking to Lee because uh, Lee has very kindly supported the Kindness Games, many of you have seen online, and uh, getting security done. Uh, I know they always like a shout out, so you know, shout, out to, <laughs> shout out to you. Um, but, but one of the reasons it's so complimentary is because it applies no matter where you are in the security sector. Um, and obviously, it's a bit of a different world. People run through distributors to you know, get things installed. It's own microcosm of security. But I really like that cross-pollination that we can uh, achieve in this interview. Where else can we go with it? Well, you know, I, I think you're making a great point, and, and I know Lee's going to kind of touch in on, on that uh, during the segment. But these things are relevant to us and our industry because the, the world has changed. And so a lot of times, as protectors, we might kind of just tune out and we'll bring in a contractor to handle this, and we'll trust that they know what they're doing which is great, but we want to know the issues that potentially the client can meet and be able to express those to the contractor. So if we don't understand the whole dynamic about how these things are kind of put in place and how this system operates and integrates with this other system, we won't be able to communicate what we need for our clients. I think that's the trusted advisor in you. You're becoming a VAR, value, exactly, yeah. value <laughs> added reseller or, or just advisor. Well, let's get into it because Lee, great friend of the industry, and as I said, uh, Kindness Games alumni, uh, we look forward to hearing from him on this very interesting cross-pollination interview. And now, let's meet one of the contributors to The Circuit magazine. Pelham Rowe and Sean West 
here with Leo Des, CEO and founder of Group 337. We're talking access control. And right off the bat, let's go into it. Lee, what's your biggest gripe about the industry? Yeah, I think my biggest gripe about the industry would be that it's so heavily focused on yesterday and doesn't spend enough time thinking about today and tomorrow. That that just is pervasive throughout uh, the thinking that is there. And, and that is an opportunity, but it's it's also the thing that drives me nuts. Okay, okay. What well, drives you nuts? But uh, conversely, where does your enthusiasm uh, for the topic come from? Uh, a couple of places. Uh, you know, one of them being that it, the essence of what our industry is looking to do is to, to protect people and make them safe. So that it's like a, a noble, like it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing to get centered around that there's no confusion. Like you don't meet a lot of people. Unfortunately, there are some people, most people aren't like, yeah, I want to make people unsafe. No, it's like you can rally around that idea and the enthusiasm. Plus there's, there's very little that you do on a daily basis as much as enter and exit into spaces. And that, that relationship of, of just the impact that it has on daily lives is interesting to me. And that gets me excited because I, I think it's it's not going to go away. And, and it's also, I think, extremely important. And that interaction with daily lives perhaps uh, brings us to a, a, another angle. What would you like uh, the outside world, those not in the world of access control, to better understand? Well, two parts. Uh, number one, uh, safety is still a very important part of this. You know, it's not just about convenience. Just like in the safety side, it's it's not just about safety, it's also convenience, right? So a lot of people come into this space and they bring gadgets, if you would, and they haven't thought through. Um, the other thing that I would say is, is that we, I, I joke about a lot of startups and people that, you know, they have this mentality of like, I'm just going to throw a stand for grad at it and it's going to get solved when there's a long history to our industry and have the curiosity and frankly, the respect to, to understand that history because you may have not, thought of a novel idea. It's just maybe an application of it. And I think you'll find a very warm and welcoming community that is looking for partners and an ecosystem to, you know, I found a love with it. And I think people also would if they would just approach it that way. Okay. And in terms of people approaching it, what about, and this is, you know, in relation, of course, to the Sega Magazine's listeners, the world of executive protection, corporate security, uh, physical security, what is it that they really need to think about today? What's, what's the importance of access control in EP? Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's the very simple. It's the coming and going out of the physical spaces as like a barrier in, in a lot of ways, right? It's this idea of, of entering not only just the, the known places, but the unknown. And I think the evolution of how identity, so forever in our industry, we actually didn't care about the end user. Like we didn't know who they were. It was a card. If the thing that you brought up to the reader beeped and turned green, you went in. Now though, that dynamic is shifting to where it is about the person and that's sort of the entire thing that shifted. So to now think about that identity and how it interacts with the spaces and the spaces reacting to the person versus the the person reacting to the space. Like So getting an appreciation, I think, more of how identity works, both just like you do in a logical side into the physical, I think now is the time actually to where you're going to see an, an area that I think is going to be far more open uh, and, and I think more added benefit to what you're looking to do than historically, which was sort of just like a barrier. And it was very sort of binary. It's much more dynamic now. 
maybe maybe you become a business enabler and you're not so much in the business of saying no. Uh, Sean, what are your thoughts on this? Because, you know, being an EP professional, surely you've seen an evolution. Yeah, I think good security, it's always a blend of people, processes and technology. If you've got a weakness on one side, then it's going to seriously weaken the security system you have in place. And I think with access control, the you know, technology is constantly evolving. You know, so many ways to access spaces now, whether it's key fobs, fingerprints, facial recognition, it's constantly evolving. But also the methods of operation used by the criminal elements is also constantly evolving. What's the biggest challenge you guys face now in staying ahead of the game with access control? Yeah, I mean, uh, so that is the the speed of which it's changing is very different now than it has been historically where not a lot has necessarily changed since when i look back at the the, the approach that we've taken in the industry in 1973 is when electronic access control really started if you look at the approach that we took in the messaging and, and what nothing has changed very much now around, I think it's 2009 or 2007, I can't remember when the iPhone came in, you saw a little bit more of a conversation about convenience, right? But still in that case, the security side of saying that stuff is insecure, we're gonna stay away from it and slow. And, and just sticking to the 1973s side has changed. Now though, uh, we saw a little bit of, of phase changes happening in the industry, but then at, now with COVID and the pandemic, it's accelerated a bunch of those things. and. And now figuring out how to take systems that were not built for those use cases, but bring them up to snuff of the use cases of today, that's a that's a, a big problem. It's an opportunity, but it's also a big problem. But Lee, I, I was going to say, hasn't it made you flavor of the month, all this COVID business? You've gone from uh, back office to front line. No, it's it's definitely been good for business, yes, in, in a lot of places on the end. But, you know, I... I, I I also think it comes with a whole new responsibility in that case, right? Like of, and being careful if you would, or, or at least recognizing that opportunity that's come through and approaching it properly. You know, we saw a little bit of that, like with the, the introduction of uh, fever cameras and temperature cameras into the access control space. And, you know, we've, we've historically have had a very product driven, you know, I got a hammer who needs a hammer approach to things, but not necessarily thinking. That's why I believe what this shift has happened is this idea of going from access control to access care and the changes of what that means of how we approach the marketplace is taking the old norms and questioning some of them, keeping the good ones and power structures, but then introducing new stuff. So yeah, it's a great opportunity, frankly. So, so what do you see next? The next big thing for you guys? I mean, as, as I mentioned earlier, there's so many different methods of access control, fob entry, card entry, fingerprints. Um, and I'm guessing with COVID-19, you know, there's going to be a lot of focus now on touchless access control. Um, what, what do you guys see as, as the next big thing? So on that, um, I, in my opinion, the touchless side is a good example of something that I believe, you know, when when there is a lack of information and people are trying to do the right thing and trying to understand, it was sort of like the idea of you getting and being able to get sick by touching something was there. So then we took actually the same stuff we were doing before called frictionless and seamless when we were talking about like this being the Jetsons and the convenience story and applied it directly overnight to the wellness story, which was touchless. I personally believe that that will come down a bit. I think the, the watermark won't be the same place it was before, but frankly, a lot of the solutions, these were what we called ADA compliant solutions before. Like the, the idea of automatic openers is not necessarily new where you didn't have to touch something, right? I don't believe because 
the cost to actually retrofit that stuff. So the business side hasn't changed. The demand, I don't think is going to be enough to that people are going to pay to go do that. Now, they may be open to what I think actually the bigger thing will be is that there's going to be a whole bunch of people focused on it. So we'll start to see new innovations and, and new technology and, and the, hopefully those norm, the norms of the price and that will come down where you do it. I do think though, the biggest thing that's come on this, in my opinion, is the conversations around the architecture of the systems like cloud versus not, it, it, we're, we're done with that at this point. It, that's now a real thing in the marketplace that has value. Now it's like what you do with it. And this idea of not knowing who the end user was and the introduction now of knowing who that person is. Now it's no longer about that. It's about what are you going to do with it now? So the introduction of workflows and the introduction of mobile now, because that's how you use to do the identification and maybe a rebirth of what badging looks like, right? Like a lot of that stuff, I think is going to change. And in terms of changing, I mean, you, you talk about mobile and what are your thoughts on the edge of everyone's perimeter changing and, and being more ethereal? Because that's perhaps a direct link to mobile operations of an executive protection uh, specialist. But if everyone is at home and everyone's doing operations uh, around some you know, single uh, dwelling unit, surely there's something to be had in, in blending the two approaches. Yeah. You know, again, access control has been historically as you got to the building and like inside. Now it's extended beyond that. And it's, it is people at home. It's the blend between physical and logical access control is in a lot of cases not changing. I mean, I mean not different. It's the same. Um, it, we're early in that. Uh, but I, I do believe those the, the, that's the direction where things are going on the norms. And maybe some of the stuff that we see on the financial side, like around pay are going to come into the norms that we do about. This is really comes down to it's the value beyond the locking and unlocking that, that is happening. Access control becoming a feature of a larger value proposition. And even like what you, you all were saying, like, like Sean, you're from the executive protection side, this idea of people, tech and policies. Like I'm wondering now, is it people, tech, policies, and places, right? So like the, you add now that other one on top of it to where access control is an even more important aspect of, of the personal protection and how you define personal protection. Like is it before, again, personal protection was like making sure bad people didn't do something to whoever you're protecting. But now it's sort of like, do you have to now protect them from the health side? Like, is it your job to make sure they're not entering into a place where they could get COVID? Yeah, for sure. It's, it's definitely a shift. There's a lot more focus now. And certainly just with the areas where I'm operating, there's a lot more focus on anyone coming onto our sites. We have the, you mentioned the fever detection scanners where people come through. We have the cameras that check if people have a temperature when they're coming on site, there's definitely a lot more focus on the health side as well. So, Lee, I know that your group also does a lot of uh, analysis and, and, and looks at a lot of data. Um, data can be, of course, you know, a bit gloopy to sift through if you don't have the background, let's say, in access control that you do. But can you t talk us through a little bit of the rationale behind going in one direction or another in the world of uh, access control right now? What are you finding, I guess, is what I'm asking. Yeah, so the, uh, A, we're finding that the data doesn't necessarily exist because it's very hard, I think, for people to get the data. Um, and we have a lot of people from the outside the industry trying to get it, but it, frankly, there's just not a lot of it. So we've set out to try to bring a level of that. And, and one aspect, the first one we did was we called it the access control index. And it, it was an ability for someone to take a look at, at really the differentiation between today technology and tomorrow. A lot of these systems that we talked about were set up for 30 years ago. What we're trying to do now is help people understand is that the system that they currently have 
able to help them with the use cases of tomorrow. And we took a six criteria of things that we think matter to define tomorrow. And then we, we assessed them across 40 access control systems. We had 70 points of data and we were able to graph them then at that point and, and really take a look at and say, yeah, this, this person is what we call a commander, which is someone that is doing that. Or are they a futurist, someone that's focused on only tomorrow, but not today? Like, are they a settler or a traditionalist? Like, are they focused only on today and not tomorrow? Like that type of thing. And what we find out is there's two basic camps. There's, there's the ones that are settled in, in sort of the old camp of, you know, they're okay for maybe today, but predominantly yesterday. And then you've got another camp that is focused on today, but with the opportunity of tomorrow. Um, we don't have a lot of futurists doing a bunch of innovation in our marketplace, frankly. There's a lot of iteration that's happening. You know, introduction of mobile is not innovation. Anybody outside of our industry would look at that and be like, really that now like this thing's been around for a very long time like the that, so we're a little late in some of those areas uh, but uh it's promising that there's a good amount of companies it's like a calling of the herd in a lot of ways there's a lot of companies that want to lead and we're starting to see the opportunity to do so awesome and and do you think that that disparity between those who are futurists and those who are maybe more stuck in their ways, has that got a lot to do with the channel? Um, I bring up the subject of the channel because in a way it's a little bit unfamiliar to some people in the executive protection world because you provide your executive protection service direct to the client um, or for a company that you know then subcontracts you. But the channel in the world of access control is, is its, its own beast, as it were, isn't it? Could you give us a flavor of what that's all about, Lee? Yeah, and it is. And it's funny, like, there's, there's always this desire to sort of point a finger at like who's responsible for the lack of innovation that we have. But it's a collective uh, group of why it has. But it's definitely part of it. Now, to be fair, like as a former integrator of myself, and I look at that, like, you're predominantly focused on today. So you look for solutions that solve today, right? And it's, I think it's sometimes hard to think about, okay, what's next? Because frankly, the customer may not care about it and they really want you to solve the problems that you have today, but there's a balance that has to happen. And it's not binary. Like, you know, I don't think you, you need to be too far in the past, but you should also don't need to be too far in the future. I think there's a, a need to be balanced. And, and that's part of the reason why we did this report was so that as a, as a dealer or an end user, whomever, even as a manufacturer, you can make good business decisions to basically say, okay, this person isn't actually too far out in the future. They actually can help solve stuff today, but I'm not going to get stuck with these new use cases or the unknown. Like for instance, no one knew about COVID coming, right? So it's not fair to be like, you didn't know. It's like, no one knew, right? But I do think we need to start getting a little bit smarter on sort of like, you know, game planning of things that could happen. So like some basic stuff, like, all right, so business continuity is a thing. So what systems are set up properly to handle business continuity? Because whether that's today or tomorrow, that's a thing, but that wasn't really a need for the past. So I, I just, I think the channel has a play in, especially if they're a resource to end users and they're delivering a service, they have a certain responsibility to be able to at least speak to what are the systems that could help set them up to be able to capture the unknown without being responsible for being able to look into the future and be like, you know, magic. Um, but they should have a level of responsibility to at least be putting themselves and their customers in the best situation to be have the best percentage chance of saying yes. 
exactly. Best percentage chance of saying yes to make everyone in the business of saying yes. Um, Sean, do, do you have anything else for Lee? What barriers do you find from customers when selling the When I'm looking at access control, you know, a lot of the new technology can be very expensive. Whether it's do you purchase and replace completely the system you have in place, or will the new stuff integrate with legacy systems? What what do you find barriers in selling your equipment? And do you have to spend a lot of time educating people? Yeah, I mean, the education part is very important on that side. And so some of the barriers, I think, on that are number one, right product fit for the right market. Like I think we've historically have taken these high security systems that are, you know, utilized for airports and try to take them to the local coffee shop. And it's just, you know, historically when it was just about keeping bad people out, I think the, the, the use case worked because it was about putting barriers up and whatnot. But as things have changed or there's different areas of convenience needed or, you know, different, I think a good example is the biometric side. Like biometrics, uh, the reader, the fingerprint readers were, were great in industrial and in areas where there was time and attendance that was needed as well, but were terrible for, you know, I would call it a, lo- a lower level of security, maybe for a corporate office where um, you didn't have that, but they wanted it for the cool factor, but it wasn't built for cool factor. It was it was really built for the, the high level of assurance and, uh, you know, th- granted, there's a lot of reasons why it was made, but hypothetically speaking, like that's the way it was done. So I think right now the, the biggest problem is the, is the application aspects of the products. And now we're though at a better point where there are more systems that have come out to be able to fit those markets. But the education of I've been doing and using this product for you know 30 years because Tommy used to call on me and bring me donuts. And now I still use that system because I've got, you know, my lead tech uh, only knows that system. So that's what I use is somewhat, you know, I don't know if that's going to last, right? It may for certain markets, but as you move into like small to medium or multifamily, you know, work live type spaces or um, hospitality where there's a really defined user experience that people are having to have, that flexibility of, of making those systems specific for those verticals are going to become ever more important. Awesome. Well, it sounds like a bright future or at least a, a different future. Um I guess maybe maybe to finish up, it'd be nice to hear a little bit much, uh, more about what you're going to be up to. And it'd be nice to introduce to the Circuit Magazine elements of the GSD Getting Security Done uh, movement, uh, as it were, that you know, you're so closely uh, involved with. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, for mine, I, we're just going to continue doing a lot of what we're doing in those three areas, so the, from the consulting strategy to content creation on we call it the inside, uh, the inside out online is where we do a lot of that. And then on the data side, you know, we're, we're, we're looking to, to bring even more whether it's benchmarking and, and data like this, that is not just technical specifications or, or differentiation on the product side, but it's more around the business end. So we're going to continue to do that. And one of those areas of the content side was um, the GSD getting security done group that you talked about, which is a wonderful, wonderful group of young professionals that are looking to take, uh, I would just take like a different point of view to the industry and, you know, whether it's discussions more around vulnerability and uh, diversity inclusion or young professionals or, um, you know, just a different mindset that they're taking to the market. I'm, I'm, I'm privileged to, to have the opportunity to work with them and produce some of the content that they do and, and participate on that end. But what I like about it is, it, it is like you said, a movement of people within the, in the industry that, you know, it's been an industry that has valued tenure uh, in a lot of cases or necessarily talent in a lot of cases. And 
this this is an area of people that are, are saying, I, I don't really care about that. And we're not gonna just sit around and moan about it. We're actually gonna do something about it, which is primarily through storytelling, which I really like because it, it moves people. If you've seen what they've done in the kindness games and this idea of just starting a new language within the industry that I personally believe makes it far more approachable to a lot of people. I think it's a legacy that they're gonna leave that, that really a defining moment through like COVID and this bad time where you were forced to come online and it really democratized the storytelling and communication. I mean, this is a group that saw that and did something about it. And I think it's the new way, not that the old way is bad. I just think it's an evolution of, of how our industry has acted or it's a new, uh, you know, an, an adjacent way that we can do it. That's okay. Cause the old way is fine too. This is just a new way. And if you like it, you can participate. If you don't, don't, I don't care. They don't care. Um, uh, but I, I'm encouraged by what they're doing. Sounds like a more friendly access control. Access care. Back to the whole loses access control. I like it. Yes, no, that's a it's a great phrase. I think we're gonna we're gonna have to adopt it. Um, well, well, fantastic, Sean and Lee. This is a great look at access control, and uh, it's been great having you. You as well, and I really appreciate the opportunity. I love what you all are doing, and thank you. Access control and identity management with Leo Des. Really pleased that we got a chance to catch him. I love the cross-pollination between communities. You know, reseller, value-added reseller environment and EP. I think there's a natural fit in the future for us to think about touchless environments and gateways, not just at your client's home, but internationally. Elijah, how was it for you? Well, here's what's great about the podcast that we're doing. We can bring in so many people from different backgrounds and these different areas of expertise. And, and hopefully we're giving our listeners something a little bit out of left field. So it's not the fact that, okay, I've done close protection work for 20 years. So I'm just going to hear from people that have done the exact same thing I've done. Instead, here's another aspect of the industry, or here's a subsection of the industry, or here's something that's related um, just, just on the edges. And I can see how I can incorporate those things that the subject matter expert is proficient in into the things that I do. Exactly. like it. And uh, I'm all for this, you know, intermingling of ideas and sectors. Who knows? We can, we can bring people in from all sorts of sectors. Actually talking about that uh, coming up, we are planning in April. So perhaps save the date, 21st of April, we're planning for a digital assets protection for physical specialists event. Bit of a That's mouthful. a mouthful, yeah. It's a, it's a bit of a mouthful. But by that, I want to be clear, it is for you, the corporate and physical security specialists. And what would happen if your principal is trying to get you to protect something intangible like cryptocurrency, like artwork, crypto artwork, and maybe a more reasonable example, a digital identity or digital key. It's not an event for those crypto specialists. It's an event for you to say, okay, how is this going to transform what I do? So, so this is that, that kind of cutting edge stuff, this, these things that we're talking about that we, that we want to be on kind of the bleeding edge of these discussions. People are talking about crypto. People are, are talking about things that are involved with the blockchain, et cetera. But how much do professionals in our business know about that? And uh, besides what we read in, you know, the New York Times or, or, or the, the Financial Times. So 
having these specialists on, these people that are proficient in this area, uh, talk about this. I think it's just going to be super engaging for our listeners. As long as they realize it's for them, because some people may be turned off by the first segment of that really long title, Digital Asset. They're like, oh, no, it's not for me. No, mm-hmm. let me trust you. The reason why I've gone to great lengths to make it super long and boring as a title is <laughs> <laughs> because it's for you. Anyway, no, that's, that's just one of the things uh, coming up. What about, what about yourself? Uh, we got a couple things cooking here. Um, I think uh, uh, this is a great time to tell people that every uh, week, NABA, the North American Bodyguard Association, of which uh, I kind of help spearhead, we do a clubhouse chat and we have our own clubhouse room. We're the first official room in executive protection on that subject on, on clubhouse. And so we host that room on Sundays at uh, 6 p.m. Pacific in the United States, and that's 8 p.m. Eastern in the United States, and people can adjust their time zones accordingly. We run for about two hours. It's a great time. We get a lot of good discussion in there. We pick a variety of topics that have things to do with the coast protection community uh, and related interests, so it's a good time. And if you haven't used the Clubhouse platform, it's a really good platform for engagement. Unfortunately, it's only for iPhone users now. They haven't opened it up to Android, although when you take a look at the, the metrics in terms of their growth, uh, that's got to happen soon. So yeah, so that, that's something that, that, that we've been doing every week now. It's been about two, three months now, I think, since we've been uh, first started hosting them and the response has been phenomenal. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to joining as well. Um, and I love what you put out. You put your posts on Instagram as well. They, they all look so cool and swish, you know, for the community. <laughs> I'll take it. I, it, it it's, it's, it's great to see the oh, uh, the. Yeah. I got something else that I, I can only tease now. So again, um, uh, the NABA, North American Bodyguard Association, and the BBA, the British Bodyguard Association, we are sister organizations. But on the NABA side, we've got something cooking. And um, I'm only wanting to tease it now, uh, one, because I don't know exactly where we're going to drop this podcast, but two, just to kind of, again, get the pot boiling. But we've got something big that's going to help the, the overall coast protection community, no matter which... Uh, uh, side of the uh, pond you're on okay we'll keep an eye out for that i mean obviously i have an inkling as to what it might be and that is super Shh. exciting i know Shh. i know i know <laughs> but but no that's that's something to look forward to and especially on on uh, the the north american side um uh, in general though for the circuit magazine we are still looking for some contributors for our next uh, edition it doesn't matter if you think that your story is too niche in fact a niche story can often be a very good thing to, to help the community with. So, so we're looking forward to hearing from you on that. Uh, all the while, there's been great uh, chat and helping each other on the BBA app, which has been really, really, really well received. Um, in fact, I'm going to upload some things from the MSS Australia that I did just recently. Of course, that was a crazy time zone for me, but uh, I sacrificed my sleep so I can bring you some great content. So there we go. You, you can look. <laughs> you, taking you, one for the team. There you go. Taking one for the team. I will, I will do that for you. Um, but yeah, looking forward to that. Please save the date 21st of April for our intangible assets for physical security. Um, get some submissions in for the circuit magazine. Get down to Clubhouse and check out the NABA Clubhouse editions on the weekend. Nice. I just want to remind everybody the uh, Circuit Podcast is brand new. We're still getting the word out. So we'd love it on whatever platform you're listening uh, to us on, whether that's Apple, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, that you could give us a good rating. Hopefully it's a five-star rating. 
drop in a couple reviews in there and uh, like, subscribe and share, please. Wonderful. See you next week when we hear another fantastic specialist. You have been listening to the Circuit Magazine podcast. Be sure to subscribe and be sure to not miss an episode.